that's how I started out. But then like, you know, I did eight and then I did 10 and then I did 12 and then I did 15 and well, 20 miles seems reasonable. Sometimes like, what we're actually capable of can surprise us. What may seem at first impossible may quickly start to become possible. And I did 25 and then I was like, well, I wonder what 30 would be like. And then I did some 30 mile days and, you know, I just constantly was trying to kind of see what was next. Hey there, quick shout out from a Meister fan, Drew Schult. He'd like to congratulate his dear friend in adventure, Ian Stafford, on what was an incredible career with the Colorado Outdoor Education Center. Congratulations, Ian. If you'd like to purchase a shout out on Mountain Meister, you can do so. mtnmeister.com slash support. Hello and welcome. This is the podcast that explores the minds of those who explore. This is Mountain Meister. I'm your host, Ben Shank. On September 24th, Heather Anish Anderson broke the self-supported speed record for the Appalachian Trail. Without any assistance, she made her way nearly 2,200 miles, starting in the north from Mount Katahdin and finishing in the south on Mount Springer. 54 days, 7 hours, 48 minutes. Heather, congratulations and welcome to Mountain Meister. Thank you. So first off, do I call you Anish or Heather? You were telling me both. Yeah, either one is fine. Um, most of my trail friends uh, refer to me as Anish, and pretty much everyone else calls me Heather. You know, just the name you're known by when you're out on the trail. Maybe it'll depend on what we're talking about at the time. Yeah, some people call me both interchangeably, <laughs> so that's fine too. So do you hike for a living? Yeah, well, sort of. Um, I My philosophy on life is that I, I do not live to work, I work to live. Mm-hmm. So I make money doing all kinds of odd jobs and things like that. I'm a certified personal trainer now. That's my actual like kind of career um, where I take in money. But um, I've done everything from being a park ranger to working the front desk of a hotel to cleaning hotel rooms to working in retail. I mean, I've done everything over the years, basically just to earn enough money to go out and have adventures. So, you know, my life is the mountains. And, uh, you know, I do pretty much anything that gets me out there. The Continental Divide Trail, uh, you've done the Pacific Crest Trail. You did, this is the second time you've done the AT. And the first time, tell me if this is true, the first time you hiked the AT, through hiked the AT, it was your first time hiking. Yeah, that was my first, uh, it was my first multi-night, a solo backpacking trip. I had done some day hikes and an overnight when I lived and worked at the Grand Canyon for a summer job in, in college a few years before, but that was like my first time hiking ever. And so then I obviously decided after a few day hikes to the Grand Canyon that clearly the next logical step was to hike the Appalachian Trail. That's almost like, and, uh, uh, what's her name from Wild. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. What is her name? I forget. Uh, Cheryl Strayed. Cheryl Strayed, right. Yes. Yeah. The AT was, the first time I did the AT was in 2003. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, that was kind of my first foray into real backpacking. How'd that go? Uh, it was a steep learning curve. I I started literally the day after I graduated college. 
and I had a 40-pound pack. And to this day, I'm not really sure what was in there because there was nothing in there I actually needed. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have a sleeping bag um, because I thought it was May in the mountains in Ge- or May in Georgia. And I figured it would be warm enough to not need a sleeping bag. Uh. <laughs> that was my logic. You know, I'd never been in the mountains, really. Right. So, <laughs> no clue. Um, you know, I think I just had a lot of, like, plain oatmeal in there and trail mix i'm pretty sure that was probably what half my pack was Um, but i had like cotton clothes and you know just all kinds of stuff um but you know as i interacted with other hikers and just learned through trial and error like you know i just ditched stuff out of my pack as i came into town and got replacement things and i think by the time i'd gone about 500 miles i was down to you know kind of a typical through hiker pack i had a sleeping bag and you know maybe like a 10 pound like 10 pounds of gear, you know, like a typical amount. (laughs) Well, well, why did you do that, though, if you knew nothing about it? It just sounded like a great adventure. (laughs) Um, When I'd heard about the AT, I was just like, you got to be kidding me. You can walk from Georgia to Maine. Like, that sounds like the most incredible adventure on the face of the planet, and I want to do that. (laughs) So you did it. I did. Yeah, it took me four months, and uh, yeah. It only took you four months? Mm-hmm. that's that's low right that's fast yeah it is pretty fast I you know I mean I had never been athletic in my life like I was like an overweight kid overweight teen like mm-hmm. you know it's very sedentary and um so like once I got it in my head I wanted to do the AT I started you know jogging to kind of get into shape but I still like really wasn't in great condition but you know I got out there and you know I I had this like six month itinerary to do it like you know eight to ten miles a day and that's how I started out but then like you know I did eight and then I did ten and then I did twelve and I did fifteen and then I did like a twenty mile day and I was like well 20 miles seems reasonable for like if you're gonna walk all day you know I didn't I didn't know that people didn't typically do 20 or more miles a day on the AT I just thought that sounded like a reasonable amount. And so I was doing 20 miles a day and then I did 25 and then I was like, well, I wonder what 30 would be like. And then I did some 30 mile days and, you know, I just constantly was trying to kind of see what was next. You know, that's just kind of my nature. I'm, I'm curious and I'm always kind of trying to push that edge and, and see what's, you know, the next level. So, yeah, I mean, I just kind of fell into it and, you know, I was, I fell in love with backpacking pretty much right off the bat and, it just turned out that I was pretty good at it too. So that's always a, a win-win situation. You make it sound so easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> what What does one do when they're done hiking the AT? Uh, so after I finished the Appalachian Trail the first time, I actually I moved back home with my parents because I was totally broke. Because, you know, as, as opposed to most people who get a job right after college, I went and lived in the woods for four months. But... um. So I just, I kind of got a job, I think, working at, I think I was working at a Subway, like fast food for, you know, the winter back in Michigan and um, applying for jobs with the Park Service. And I got a job working out in Glacier National Park in Montana. And so in the spring, I I went out there and I worked there for the season. And then I worked in Jackson Hole for the winter and, you know, it was just saving up money this whole time because while I was on the Appalachian Trail, somebody had told me about the Pacific Crest Trail and the Continental Divide Trail. I had no clue those trails existed prior to starting out from the AT. And I just remember when they told me that, I just like gave them this look like, you're kidding me, there's more trails like this? Like, I have to do those. <laughs> and so, you know, it just, you know, it was the natural thing. I was like, after the AT, I'm going to go do these other two trails. And so um, I worked for all of 2004. And then in 2005, I hiked the Pacific Crest. And in 2006, I hiked the Continental Divide. Wow. 
Nothing. And and you happened to break the record on the Pacific Crest Trail. You left that out. Well, that was the second time. Second actually. time around. Okay. This is like 2003, 2005, and 2006. Gotcha. And then I was on hiatus for a while. And then in 2013 is when I broke the Pacific Crest Trail record. What was the hiatus? I attempted to live a normal, settled down life. <laughs> why? Why would you do that? Um, you know, societal pressure. You know, like kind of like okay, well, you kind of got that out of your system in your early twenties. Now it's time to get a job and get married and settle down and have children and you know do that whole thing. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm ready for that. And turns out I I really wasn't. You know, I got a few years in and I was like, you know what, I'm really miserable and I want to be back out in the mountains. Hmm. So. And you were okay just leaving that? It was hard, obviously. You know, it, it's hard to end a marriage. It's hard to, like, you know, leave a career that has stability. And it's hard to just walk away from a life you spent, you know, four or five years building. Um, it was very, very difficult, very traumatic. Um, you know, there's a lot of guilt and a lot of fear and a lot of, you know, other kinds of emotions that went on there. Um, but I knew deep down inside it was the right decision. And... um my former husband, you know, fully supported me. He knew it was the right decision for us too, um, you know, because he and I had just different ideas of what we wanted to do in life at that point. And um, so it was a mutual choice, but it was definitely still hard. Um, but basically, like, we got divorced in 2011, and um, I threw myself really hard into my ultra marathon running for 2011. Um, I was racing all the time and, and that was getting me, you know, back into the mountains and, and that sort of thing. And, um, but by the time 2012 rolled around, like I was really unhappy because I was still working in the job that I didn't like. And, and, you know, I was still living in the same place and I really knew that I needed to get back on the trail somehow, but I wasn't really sure how. And, um, basically what I did is I, I, quit my job and um, sold my stuff and bought a one. I was living in Bellingham, Washington at the time. And so I bought a one-way train ticket or bus ticket down to Ashland, Oregon. And I hopped on the PCT there and I walked home. And I figured by the time I've walked like 900 and some odd miles, hopefully I'll figure out what's next. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, I mean, that was where on the trail was really where I coped with the heart heartache and the depression and the the loss and the guilt and the shame and you know I you know I always tell people the trails or being out in the wilderness in general is always going to be for you exactly what you needed to be whether you know what you needed to be or not mm. you know so like when you get out there you know if you need you know solace and comfort you'll get that if you need a challenge you'll get that you know I mean I remember hiking along and just bawling my eyes out you know because I was, you know, pretty emotionally wrecked when I was out there. Um, but after I'd done, you know, a couple hundred miles, like I had kind of processed everything and fell back in love with, you know, being out there. You know, it's kind of like being on a through hike. I mean, a thousand miles is a long ways. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and rediscovering that, yes, indeed, I could still, you know, through hike. I could do, you know, long days day after day, you know, because I hadn't done it and so many years that I didn't even know if I could still do it. You know, I'd been running ultras, but those are like one day type of things. And that, that was that when 50 to a hundred mile. Long. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Yes, I yeah. mean, 36 hours for a hundred miles, you know, whatever. Um, and that was uh, while I was out there on the PCT in 2012 doing those, those miles and healing. Um, that was actually when I came up with the idea for sure of doing, the PCT speed record. I had toyed with the idea for a long time, but that was when I made my 
100% final decision that that was what I was going to attempt because it just seemed like that was that was what I needed to do, you know. You needed to prove something to yourself? I needed to overcome a lot of fears and and um and answer questions, you know. Um I had always wondered you know, how fast I could be, you know, like what it would be like, you know, there aren't, there weren't, there weren't a lot of people out doing, um, these types of things, especially not women. So yeah, I, I wanted to kind of answer some questions about myself and, and overcome some fears and, and, you know, I figured that would be a good catalyst for that. Did it work? Yeah, definitely. Um, I wouldn't have gone out and done it again on the AT if it hadn't. <laughs> so, so then does that mean on the AT that you were feeling those things too and you needed to do it again? Different things. Um, it was a building block. You know, the PCT was this first initial stage and the AT was the next logical phase. Um, on the PCT, I, I when I started that speed record, I, I didn't know if I could do hmm. back-to-back 40-mile days. I'd never done it, you know. Like, no clue what I was getting myself into or what it would be like. It was a big mystery. So it was just kind of, I'm going to go out here and see what happens. And uh, I was terrified of the dark and of hiking at night and mountain lions. Like, for all the miles and time I had spent outdoors, I had a lot of, like, fears. I was always in my tent, nice and safe (laughs) by dark, you know. And so, you know, there were a lot of these external challenges that... Um, I had to overcome, I had to overcome, you know, the, the physical challenges of it and the, the emotional and mental challenges of confronting, you know, the fear of hiking at night. Cause I hiked at night every day, mm. you know, several hours. And so, um, and that was kind of just like the, the final stage of that whole, um, grieving and, and finding myself process where I learned to really accept that I'm a hiker and that I'm, you know, happiest in the outdoors and, to, you know, I spent a lot of years when I was trying to be quote unquote normal questioning, like, why can't I be happy like this? Why can't I be happy in this life like everybody else? And, um, why is, you know, this huge part of me only happy when I'm outside and when I'm in the mountains, you know, like that's not normal, you know? And so there was always like this internal, like back and forth struggle between what I felt like I was and how, what I was, when I was happy with like what I felt like I should be. And so the PCT finally just taught me to dismiss the why and accept just that's what it is. Mm. So, you know, once I had accepted that about myself and went on to do other things, like um, I had some, some things where I didn't succeed at, you know, these outdoor endeavors that I tried. Like I tried to set the fastest known time unsupported on the John Muir Trail like the following year and I didn't finish it. Um, I got severely altitude sick and and quit. And so, um, you know, all these like doubts and self-esteem issues kind of started to creep back and I knew I had to go out and Why Why would those ever come back into your head? If the person who just completed the speed record on the PCT unsupported why would you ever have the thought that that you need to be validated again um because the brain is a strange thing and the psychology of a lifetime of low self-esteem is very complex Mm. and um 
you know, I've struggled with low self-esteem since I was a child. I've struggled through eating disorders and all kinds of stuff, you know, like I've never felt positive about myself or, or that I was capable. And, um, you know, beating that back and conquering it is a long, hard process uh, for anyone. And, uh, you know, so having these things where I, I didn't succeed made me start, you know, believing that maybe the PCT was a fluke and maybe I really wasn't, you know, athletic or, or capable, you know, and, and all those doubts started to come back. And, um, I just knew I had to go do something again and, and not necessarily that I had to set the record, but I had to go finish something. I had to go throw myself into it a hundred percent and finish it. And that was really what the AT was. It was, it was conquering all of that doubt and proving to myself what everybody else already knew, (laughs) you know, but I couldn't truly accept for myself because, you know, I'd spent, you know, 30 some odd years telling myself that I wasn't good enough and I wasn't athletic and that I wasn't, you know, a capable human being, you know, I didn't have self-worth. So I had to keep going at this until I finally proved it to myself and was able to accept that part of myself. If this keeps happening to you, you're going to make it really difficult for yourself because you're going to constantly <laughs> want to do something harder and harder and harder. Well, I think I'll I'll constantly want to push the the envelope because that's just my personality, but um at least now I can come at it from a different mindset, not of like needing to prove something to myself, but just out of like plain curiosity because I I really feel and I really believe that I finally like laid that stuff to rest and and have self-worth and self-esteem and believe in myself and can acknowledge that I'm capable and good at being an outdoors woman, you know? So, um, yeah, I I can agree with all of those things. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) What, why do you think that it seems like it took you a while to find what you truly loved or at least believe and feel comfortable with what you loved? Why do you think that some people take a long time to find that, whereas others seem to settle in quickly? I don't know. I mean, I think that that's probably very complex, and everybody's story in life are, are very different. You know, I had all these, like, I found what I loved. I, I loved hiking from the minute I found it when I was, like, 21 or 20 or something like that. You know, and I knew that I loved it, and I knew that it was right, but it took me, you know, another 12 years or so to accept that that was okay Mm -hmm. and to really put myself into a position where I made that my my life and I think that that delay was due more to my inability to um, live a non-traditional lifestyle and to accept that about myself than it had to do with like knowing what made me happy the accepting, you know? yeah, yeah, it's accepting, and so the accepting is what took a very long time, and that was due to, you know, a lifetime of of, you know, what we were just talking about, like you know, not valuing my my own self and my own abilities. So I mean, everybody walks a completely different path, and they come at everything with a different um, different baggage, you know. And so some people may not have a hard time accepting, but they may just take them a long time to discover what it is they really are passionate about. You know, for me, like I was never even exposed to hiking until I was in my early 20s. And, you know, some people grow up doing it, you know, with their families. Is there any advice that you would give or is this something that people just need to experience for themselves, the misery of finding (laughs) or accepting what they love? (laughs) 
I think that the the best advice, or well, I don't know if it's very good advice, but it's the advice I give people. Um, when you do find that thing, or when you believe you found that thing, you have to be courageous to go after it, and that means you know, and it's not just hiking or being outdoors; it's whatever you know you find fulfilling in your life, and. Um, it takes courage no matter what that is to to make that your focus you know it may mean you know making big sacrifices financially or in your relationships or or whatever you know but that's where the courage comes in to like actually dream big and go after it and and pursue it and and let it become your life you know not fight it and accept it and it's hard to do and not everyone can um, some people aren't willing to uh, to make that happen, but you can't ever expect life to just hand it to you um, because it won't. You have to make, make that happen for yourself. Very good. I want to talk a little bit more about the like what, what exactly you do on the trail because this is 54 days, 7 hours, 48 minutes, almost 2,200 miles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say those numbers – and I've said them a lot before because we've had through hikers on the show before, maybe the distance, but not that time. Congratulations, Anish. Thank you. <laughs> so so 10 miles, we're familiar with hiking 10 miles. Then we're going to go do it again and again and again in one day. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to go do that tomorrow and then the next day and then every day this week. And then we're going to go do that every day next week and then the next week and then that over seven weeks. I, it's just like mind-blowing how yeah. far that is. And I feel like the numbers don't always capture that. Right. Unless you've you've walked that far, you have no concept. I, like right. one, there's like a point where it just like, it's all the same. Yeah. Like, how, what was your day like? Uh, so I woke up every morning at four. I had a, an alarm and I'd eat some breakfast and pack up my stuff. And I was usually walking by 430, um, 4.45 at the latest. And then I would walk for the next 17 to 19 hours, only stopping to get water or, you know, tie a shoe or, you know, whatever, like little things like that. Not actually sitting down and taking a break. I ate while I walked. And then I would find whatever mostly level location that I could. And I would pitch my tent and I would crawl inside and take off my shoes and socks and eat some food and fall asleep and wake up at 4 a.m. and do it again. And then again, and again, and again. And again, and again, yeah. <laughs> do, do you enjoy it? Because it doesn't sound that fun. Um, I do. I do enjoy it. Um, I like to hike. So, I mean, hiking for like, you know, 18, 19 hours a day is, is fun. Um, there's always, you know, emotional ups and downs. I mean, no matter how much you like being out, there's always times that suck. And it doesn't matter whether you're going for a speed record or not. I mean, you know, on any hike, you know, you have times where you're like, wow, this really kind of sucks. And I don't really want to be doing this or be here right now. Or I wish it wasn't raining or, you know, I wish there weren't bugs or it's really hot. You know, there's always stuff, mm-hmm. you know. But, um, yeah, I mean, for the most part, yeah, I enjoyed it. You know, obviously there were there were low moments where I was frustrated or tired. I mean, especially tired, you know. You're only getting four to five hours of sleep a night for almost two months. Oh. You get some major sleep deprivation going on because, you know, that's not enough to recover from 40 to 45 miles a day, you know. And some of the days that I did like a 50-mile day, you know, I was only getting like three and a half hours of sleep because it just took me to like 11, 12 p.m. to do it. So, um, 
you know, there's some some definite lows there. But overall, yeah, I, I enjoy it. I'm, I mean, I wouldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. I, I think it would be hard to stick with if you were completely miserable. You have to be enjoying it in some way. Um, it's so, it's so funny to listen to you because your the tone, your tone, and like the way you talk about this just doesn't match what you did. You know, like <laughs> well, because if I was to tell somebody that that we're gonna you're gonna have a conversation with this person who just walked 2200 miles and was so super motivated and got three hours of sleep for 50 days straight it it wouldn't sound that conversation wouldn't sound the way that this conversation is going right now the way that you talk about this you're so like soft-spoken and humble well, I mean, we've all been walking since we were about, you know, 18 months old. So, you know, <laughs> the, the skill there isn't really <laughs> that high. <laughs> so it's just um, the motivation? I mean, that, obviously, yes, more there's important. more to it than that. But, um, that's more yeah, important, I mean, in my opinion, the motivation than the skill. Yeah, that's I mean, you have, to be, you have to be focused. You have to be driven. Um, you have to be committed. Um, you know, like, I don't set out with the intention of, of quitting, you know, short of getting very ill or or breaking a limb or something like quitting isn't an option. You know, I mean, uh, the first week to 10 days I was on the AT, I wanted to quit every day, um, because it was really hard and I wasn't making the mileage that I wanted to make, but you know, I had to, I had to dismiss, um, this kind of schedule that was in my mind and to stop thinking about the record. And I had to just focus on my internal self and on, you know, just doing the best I could every day, like being the best, you know, hiker that I could be, like accepting, like, you know, you know, you're meant to do this, you know, you're good at this, you know, you can do long miles. So you just need to get up every day and give yourself a, give it a hundred percent so that when you crawl into your tent at night, there's no doubt Mm. that you just gave it a hundred percent. And, um, you can't ask for more than that from yourself. And if your hundred percent today is 35 miles, then that's what it is. And if it's, you know, 50 miles, that's what it is. But, you know, you can't hold yourself or expect more from yourself than you can, than you can give. And that was really my approach the whole time, you know, and, and you have to be intrinsically motivated for sure. You know, like you have to be driven to, to stick with what you've set out to do, Mm -hmm. um, regardless of the, the hardship or the, you know, whatever comes along earlier a little bit earlier this year scott jurek got a lot more press than you are currently getting by breaking mm-hmm. the supported speed record on the appalachian trail which what was it 46 days somewhere around there yeah it's uh 46 days and i think it's like eight hours can you imagine um, yourself doing it that fast in a supported fashion yeah 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 i think so i mean it's it's not a ton more miles per day than what I was doing um, for most of it. Obviously, certain parts would be difficult to cover, you know, 50 miles. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I could imagine that if that was my intent and that's what I wanted to do. Um, I haven't ever tried something like that. But, yeah, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility for me physically. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people have said things like, the trails aren't meant for speed and you aren't taking in the beauty. It seems like some people said that about Scott's record and I've seen a few things about yours. What's your response to the people who say things like that? Well, I think it's hard for anyone to, um, 
conceptualize what something so foreign to their experience is like. Um, so if somebody's never, you know, done a, a really long day, I think it would be hard for them to conceptualize. Like we were talking about, like, you know, to you, 2,200 miles is the same as 400 because it's just so far outside, you know, your realm of experience. And so, um, so it's hard and I understand that it would be hard for someone to understand that, but, um, in reality, you know, like I walk, you know, two and a half, three miles an hour, just like pretty much everyone else. The difference is I don't stop and I don't take days off. So in reality, I'm spending more time per day and more time on the trail. I mean, lots of people take, you know, six months to hike the trail and they'll take like 70 zero days in town. You know, you take those out and their actual hiking time, their time on the trail isn't that much more than mine. The best way I can really describe the experience to somebody who's maybe done a through hike but hasn't done it, you know, has done it in like a more traditional speed is that you just take, you know, your average through hike and you intensify it because you're you're covering the same distance but in far less time. And so everything is intensified. The amount of time you hike every day is intensified. You know, the, the, the sleep deprivation is intensified. The pain is intensified. The, the hunger is intensified. Um, the beauty, the joy, um, the self-reflection, all of those things are intensified. You know, when you're doing, you know, 40 miles a day, I mean, you just imagine doing like a 20 mile a day and how hard that is and then times it by two, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're doing that every day. So that challenge is more. And so, um, to me, it's, it's just a different intent. You know, I've hiked all these trails, you know, at a, at a traditional speed, you know, I've taken zero days, I've goofed off in town, you know, I've done all of that. And I came out here this time with just a different intention. It's like, you know, if you have this, say, you know, mile and a half, three mile loop, you know, out your door that, you know, in the morning you go walk your dog on that loop. And then in the evening you come home from work and you go out and you jog that loop. doesn't mean you enjoy one of those more than the other. You just set out with a different intention, You know, you intend to walk in the morning with your dog and in the evening you intend to go out and, you know, jog it or run it, you know, and and get exercise. It's just a different intent. It doesn't mean you've you've experienced it differently, you know. Yeah, I'm reading this book right now called Stumbling on Happiness. Uh, Mm -hmm. The psychologist Dan Gilbert is the author and he talks about how humans have this really unique ability to imagine how we would feel in certain situations Yet mm-hmm. sometimes the imagination doesn't turn out that way. Uh, so it's really easy for us to say, you know, like, oh, I would feel this way or I would never do that. But mm-hmm. when it really comes down to it and the imagination plays out, often it, it doesn't turn out that way. So I think uh, it's kind of similar here where people are saying you should do something a certain way, but they've never done it or they have done something uh, but the way that they feel about it is actually completely different than the way you feel about it. Yeah, definitely. I'll put a link. Uh, Stumbling on happiness on Anisha's Meister profile page. Uh, oh, and also we'll have a link to a free audiobook from audible.com. I would imagine that Stumbling on Happiness is available in audio, but if it's not, you can get any other audiobook and we get paid. You get it for free and we get paid. What a great deal. Um, also, on that page will be Anisha's gear recommendation. Let's hear it. Both on the, the PCT and the AT, I used a tent. Um, I used a different model of tent on each trail, but they are both by the same company, which is uh, Z-Packs. Mm-hmm. Z, just like in Zebra, and then Packs. And so on the PCT, I used 
a tent called the Hexamid, and on the AT I use the Soloplex, which just has, it's basically like the Hexamid, but has just better storm coverage because it rains more on the AT. And um, it's like a fully enclosed single-person tent, and it weighs a pound. And so I don't think, yeah, because it's just basically Cuban fiber and bug netting. It's amazing. And uh, I don't like creepy crawlies. I like to have my little space and it's my little home and I can crawl in there and be dry and warm and not have bugs crawling on me. And so like I love my tent and I sleep in it every night. (laughs) Like a lot of people on the PCT cowboy camp, they just sleep out under the stars. And I'm like, no, there are ants and there are spiders and there are creepy crawlies. I will be in my tent every night. (laughs) It's surprising to hear that those scare you given your profession they don't particularly scare me i just don't like them crawling on me while i'm sleeping okay <laughs> you know i mean i don't really want stuff crawling across my face while i'm asleep yeah no i i, I agree with you yeah I, that's been my favorite piece of gear are those tents like on both trips so wonderful z packs tents on, yes. on Anish's or Heather's. We'll call you Anish. I think we're on that level. Anish's right. Meister profile page on our website, mtnmeister.com. One final question for you, Anish, and that is, who do you want to hear next on this show? I would love to hear an interview with, um, her real name is Arlette Lan. It's a Dutch name. Mm-hmm. L-A-A-N is the last name. Her trail name is Apple Pie. Nice. And she has, um, she's a very accomplished through hiker, has hiked like all the trails I've hiked and then like a dozen other ones. And she also holds um, a, the unsupported speed record. I, I know for female, maybe overall for, um, and I'm probably going to slaughter this word, but it's, I think it's the diterissima. It's doing all the, the, the peaks in the um, White Mountains in like a continuous oh, journey. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So she went out, um, I believe it was the summer of 2014. I think it was last year. And, you know, I think she did it in like just under two weeks. So she carried all of her food and supplies for two weeks and and she just went out and she climbed them all, connected them all together. Um, Super cool, like endeavor for her. And yeah, I think it'd be neat to hear an interview with her. Very good. I'm wondering about this word, diterisma. Is that what you said? Yeah, I might be pronouncing it wrong, but it's it's the the Latin word for however many peaks there are. Okay, because I was trying to break down the so are there twenty three or diet diet? Yeah, probably. Is that was Di- that, that would or something? Diaterisma. I, I knew I was going to slaughter oh, the word. I, I think I found it. I'm googling it. Okay. Nope. That. Okay. Oh yeah, it's a pack of, by, made by Mountain Hardware, probably based on that word. Right. Here we go. Diretissima? That's it, diretissima. Diretissima is a climbing, this is according to Wikipedia, is a climbing term meaning a direct climb to the summit of a mountain up the fall line from the valley base to the top. While the normal Hmm. route aims to find a way with the least difficulty, the climber is attempting the diterissima faces the challenge of ascending the mountain in a more direct way. Huh, Hmm. maybe that's not what we're talking about. (laughs) <laughs> well, I thought it had to do with the number of peaks climbed. But. It might. It very well might. Let's let's try some more uh, Google searching here quickly. Diterissima, hmm, White Mountains, maybe. Yeah, you could try that. Oh. Hiking a White Mountain Diratissima. It's got to be high. sectionhiker.com. Oh, yeah, that's probably it then. All 48 mountains. 
There you go. 48 4,000 footers. That's it. Called a diritissima. Yeah, same word. Yeah, so it must just have maybe multiple meanings. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Yeah. So it does. A diritissima means most direct route. So it's a diritissima route through all 48 of the White Mountains. Yes. Or I the 4,000 footers in the White Mountains. That's the terminology. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. Well, keep an ear out for, I'm sorry, what was her name? Arlette Lan. Arlette Lan. Keep an ear out for Arlette Lan on a future episode of Mountain Meister. Heather Anish Anderson, wonderful having you with us today. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. You can find links for today's episode on her Meister profile page at our website, mtnmeister.com. Heather also has a blog with some fantastic gear reviews. That is run, hike, live, love. Dot blogspot.com. She also has a great TED Talk. We'll have the links to all of that on her page. Thanks again, Heather. You're welcome. Meister fans, hope you enjoyed that episode. Heather Anish Anderson, check out the Meister profile page for more. And don't forget, we have a discussion forum at the bottom of every single Meister profile page. So if you have comments, make them known. Also, some exciting news. You remember those Summit for Someone episodes we did a few weeks back? Well, the climbs are now live, and I believe we still have one spot open for that gear giveaway and for a donation from Mountain Meister toward your campaign. If you're interested, shoot me an email, ben at mtnmeister.com. As usual, enjoy doing the rest of whatever you do while you listen to the podcast that explores the minds of those who explore. I'm your host, Ben Shank. Thanks for listening to Mountain Meister.